When my long-dreaded 30th birthday arrived, I really wasn't as upset as I imagined I'd be, for I had achieved a much more important milestone, my sartorial centennial. I owned 100 pairs of shoes. Then, at age 44, I found myself trying to cram a mere half that number into a living space of 340 square feet. The whole thing was Tim's fault. When he announced he wanted to travel around the country in a converted bus for a year, I gave this profound and potentially life-altering notion all the thoughtful consideration it deserved. Why can't you be like a normal husband with a midlife crisis and have an affair or buy a Corvette? I demanded, adding, I will never, ever, ever, not in a million years, live on a bus. Something less than a million years later, as we prepared to roll down the road in our fully outfitted luxury bus, it occurred to me that Tim had already owned a Corvette, long ago when he was far too young for a midlife crisis. While I pondered who he might be seeing on the side, and whether his having an affair might prove less taxing than living in a metallic phallus on wheels, I wedged and stuffed, and, oh my God, bent the cutest little Prada mules you've ever seen into my closet. Which was really not a closet at all, but much more resembled the cubbyhole I'd been assigned many pre-shoe obsession years ago at Camp Sedgwin. How had I let myself go from never ever to this? Both Tim and I are shrinks, but he's obviously the better one. It took him five years, yet he whittled down my resolve, no doubt with some fancy newfangled brainwashing technique ripped out of one of our medical journals before I could get to it. That wouldn't have been the first time my sneaky husband tricked me into doing something I didn't want to do. Well, okay. It was only the second time that I know of, but the first was a doozy. Almost twenty years before, Tim lied to get me to go on our first date. We met in 1984, when we were both married to other people. I was a fourth-year medical student living in D.C., but doing as many rotations in Tucson as I could, because that's where my first husband had just moved for graduate school. He wanted to be an archaeologist, and put his studies on hold so I could finish my medical training. In return, I told him I'd do my residency wherever he wanted to get his Ph.D., not for one moment thinking he'd pick a city with no Nordstrom. Tim was a second-year psychiatry resident in the Tucson program, and I was assigned to his team. Although he was terribly nice and we got along well, I was, after all, happily married and didn't give him a second thought when the rotation was over. As for Tim, his marriage to Diane, or D1, I'm D2, there'd better not be another upgrade, was already crumbling. Two years later, I was the second-year resident, Tim was about to graduate, and we were both divorced. Tim and D1 had been high school sweethearts, and their marriage was more a function of inevitability than compatibility. As for my ex and me, we just got married too young. Shortly after I graduated from medical school, I could see that our two-year union had been a mistake and vowed not to marry again for a long, long while.
Seven months later, I ran into Tim. I was at a bar with a group of friends, drinking, dancing, and having a grand old time. Tim walked in with a friend of his. Since we hadn't seen each other in nearly a year, we chatted briefly, but apparently enough for him to realize I was no longer married. Again, I didn't give him another thought, until he called a few days later. Hey, Doreen, it's Tim. What is this guy calling me for? A bunch of us from my class are getting together Saturday night to go back to the bar. You know, me, Mike, Walt, and Dave. I wondered if you'd be interested in coming. Did he say Dave? Uh, sure. See you then.